Welcome to Express Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are a ministry of Arizona Message Ministry, the message to the number two dot US. We are supported financially by HaribouBooks.com. Make sure you go on there, buy some of the books that are there, donate them to your school, donate them to your church, donate them to your library so we can get the message of hope and the message of encouragement out. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to, again, another beautiful Sunday, Express Church Experience. I'm so glad that you're with us today, staying at home, staying safe, having God's word come to your house. I'm glad that we get to be united yet again on another Sunday, a glorious time to praise and worship the Lord. And I'm going to invite you to go after the Express Church experience to go to the Express Church podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbeam, wherever you listen to your podcast. Today is going to be a very special, very special podcast. So I invite you to listen to it in a deeper dive into the message today. And if you have been with us for the last six weeks, you know we've been walking through the seven churches of Revelation, and we got through the six, Laodicea, Sardis, Ephesus, Philadelphia, Smyrna, and last week we talked about Thyatira. There was only one church left, and through all this whole experience, we were talking about the eighth church. We have the seven churches of Revelation. And then the eighth church is the church that God has, that God is working through us, working through our marriages, working through our relationships, working through our churches. And so I had planned in the series to finish the seventh church uh, today and then next week talk about the eighth church. And then things changed. Things changed for me this week. Uh, A few things that happened. One, of course, being what what was going on in the neighboring state of my home state, what was going on in Wisconsin. And then one of my favorite people, Brittany, she was at our house this week and I saw tears coming from her eyes as she was told by her company that they were not going to bring her back. And a little history, she was furloughed in March when the pandemic started And they said, you'll probably be called back in a few months. And then she received a call last week that said she was not going to be called back. And it was the dream job for her. She was um, doing high-end events. And and what's interesting is she hit the mountaintop of her profession. One of her last jobs that she had right before the pandemic hit was featured in People magazine. So she was at the pinnacle of her career. And then right that what happened is the pandemic hit and she went from the mountaintop to the valley. And I want to make sure that everybody keeps praying for Brittany and praying for Jeff and her husband, Jeff, who's the one that has opened his studio. Jeff, we asked him to open a studio one day. When the pandemic started, we figured it was going to be a a week, maybe two weeks, and it was going to be gone, and everybody was going to go back to their life that they had. We are now in, that was in March. We're now getting ready to start into September. 
and the pandemic is still flowing. People are still getting sick. People are still dying. We've been praying for uh, my mom's friend, Dayton Perry. Uh, his wife is still in a care center. So the pandemic is really reaching people. And then I saw a Facebook post from another one of our daughter-in-laws who said that her city is putting a memorial up for the children who were killed in a uh, school shooting last November. So in, in less than a calendar, or less than a year from last November, now we're coming around to September, it has been a very difficult time for our family. So I was, I was listening to what they did and how our granddaughter Mia was instrumental in pushing the city to uh, get the memorial. She her, her best friend was one of the two children that were killed. She was friends with the other young girl who was killed and she herself and a couple of other of her classmates were shot, injured, but not killed. She's struggling. Please keep Mia and her family in your prayers as well. And then I woke up in the, in the night and the Lord said, I want you to speak about personal pandemics, personal pandemics. And I think given what's going on in our society and how many people have been affected by this coronavirus and just by things that go on every day, I hear people who have lost their jobs. I hear people who are losing their business, people who are sick, family members who are dying, family members who are afraid because they can't visit their sick relatives, people in the hospital who are struggling because they don't have their family member, the people who they relied on their whole life can't even be there next to them. Uh, medical professionals who have to step in and step above, not only treating the illnesses, but actually, actually being family and being family and then having to go home to their family and try to keep their family from being sick. We, I've seen in my law practice a greater hostility that's going on for uh, people against their spouses. They, people were telling me at the beginning of the pandemic that my law practice, the divorce area of our law practice would increase. I, it was sad, but it appears to be true. Attacks on, on current spouses, attacks on for, former spouses. I asked my paralegal last week, I said, have you seen a increase and calls regarding child protection and child abuse. And she said, yeah, and I, we've seen continue, repeated. I was not gonna say continue. We see it repeatedly now in the news with attacks on the police, police attacking and killing people, fear, hate, hostility, anger. Every day there's something going on, something posted. And then we add to that the, the, the natural climate that go, that's going on, hurricanes and floods and fires in California and Arizona. And so as I was thinking about all this was going on and weighing on my mind, the Lord said, speak about personal pandemic. And so when I was getting ready to, talk, to do it, I called the bishop. And if you remember the bishop, we were praying for his wife as well. She's been in the hospital uh, for over a month, I believe now. I, we keep praying each day. So 
the days turn into weeks and the weeks turn into months, but our faith and our belief that God is going to deliver her in a manner which is going to glorify his name continues. And so I called the bishop and I said, Bishop, I'm going to speak about a topic called personal pandemic. And the bishop said that I, he said, you know, I'm going through a personal pandemic. And I said, I, I've had a personal pandemic in my life that I never spoke about before today. I told my brother too, I'm going to talk about the struggle in my own personal pandemic. I'm going to try to get through it. Got to take you back to 1990. So I was sitting in, sitting, yeah, I said it. I was sitting in my house. And to give you kind of a background, 1990, there was a buildup. 86, my brother was murdered. That same year, I was going through a custody battle. The next year, or the year after, my best friend, one of my best friends from college and law school died. Add to that, one of my oldest, longest, best friends from junior high and high school through college. He's the godfather of my oldest son. He uh, did some things that resulted in a financial disaster for me. All the people around me, things were going bad. At the time, if you heard some of my earlier messages, I was one of the top civil rights leaders in the state of Minnesota and, and people from throughout the nation were, uh, were calling me and I was asking to take on cases. And my reward for that is people were threatening my life. So I'm hoping you feel the weight that was on me at that time. Not only that, the people who I was trying to help, they were saying, uh, you should be doing something different. You should be doing more for your people. You're not doing enough. You should be looking, why is poverty in our society? You're only focused in on this. Why aren't you focused in on that? And I'm seeing it today when they, there's, there's groups that are fighting against police brutality and that's their focus and their mission. And what is the, the opposition is saying to them? They're saying you should be concerned about black on black crime if black lives matter. That's where your focus should be. That's the same type of things that they were saying to me back in 1990. I was getting the conservatives were saying I was too radical and the uh, liberals were saying I wasn't uh, I wasn't active enough. And you get all that pressure was on me. And one day it overcame me so much that I thought about taking my own life. And that day, I knew I wasn't going to get through it. That day, I was in my house by myself. And I was getting ready to take my own life. And the Lord, he came in, gave me some wisdom. He said, what would happen to your, what your children would have to put up with? If you tried and didn't succeed, what would what message are you telling your children through all the struggles that you're going through? They were going through the same struggles because they were caught in the middle of the battle. How would they feel if they found out that that's the option you took to give up at that time? And I told my brother, I said, I'm going to tell a testimony that I've never said before in my life. This testimony 
But more importantly, what happened right after that? I'm in my, my apartment. I lost the townhouse that I was going to get because of what my best friend did. So I'm, I lost the house that I had before that through the divorce. So I'm in an apartment trying to, find, to battle out the financial crisis that I got into with my friend who was supposed to be, have been my best friend for years. And I was sitting there by myself. And all of a sudden, when I decided that I, I couldn't do that to my sons, and I'm going to say this till the day I die, there was a light that shined in the corner. And for those that know me well, you know that I always like to have the lights dim. I don't like to have real bright lights. Sorry, Jeff, you keep br- throwing these lights on me in the studio. But I like things a little bit dim. And all of a sudden, the whole room lit up. And I sat there and I, I couldn't believe what was going on. And then I felt the presence of God in that room that day. And a calm came over me. And I've never had that same problem again. So I'm going to speak to those who may be going through a personal pandemic where you think you can't survive it, where you think you can't go on anymore. I'm telling you right now that two things. Number one is God is with you at all times. God is with you at all times. You, I know so many people who are in the valley, and I know so many people who have had to bury their children because of, of suicide and because of destruction that they've caused because they've given up. And I was there. There's a song that's an anthem for me. When I got here to Arizona, it was an anthem. It's called, I Almost Gave Up. And the first day of the pandemic, my friend Steve, he came into the studio with me. You have to go back to the first message that we gave when the pandemic started in March. And one of my best friends here now, his name is Steve, he's a musician, and I keep telling him that that's my anthem. I almost gave up. I was right at the edge of a breakthrough. No, I, I felt like I couldn't take it life anymore. My problems had me bound. Depression weighed me down. But God helped me close so I wouldn't let go. God's mercy kept me so I wouldn't let go. I almost gave up. I was right at the edge of a breakthrough I couldn't see. But, I, but the devil really had me. But Jesus came and grabbed me. Oh, I hope that's somebody's testimony here today. During the pandemic, the devil really had me. But Jesus came and grabbed me. And he wouldn't, he held me close so I wouldn't let go. God's mercy kept me so I wouldn't let go. I'm hoping that's your testimony here today. People are going through a pandemic. But remember, I almost let go. And if I would have let go, if I would have not kept on to the hand of God that day, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. I wouldn't be able to bring God's message. I wouldn't have been able to help the thousands of people that I helped from 1990 on. And I'm going to 
tell you the second part of that testimony. And then I'm going to move on into what the bishop told me when I was talking to him about personal pandemics. What happened right after that? Folks need to understand that was 1990. I was struggling, struggling financially, struggling emotionally, struggling relationally. Just everything was weighing me down. Didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I had people that were saying your career is going to be destroyed because you're too radical. And then I, the, the Lord came and he held me close, as the song says, and he wouldn't let go. By the winter, um, October, Halloween, 1991, I was moving into my new house in, in, in the edge of the city near the suburbs. I went from financial disaster to in the suburbs, the Lord had blessed me, had put uh, cases, attorney's fees were flowing in. Myself and my, my business partner, we were able to get new cars. The Lord had a plan for me and the devil had me bound. Depression had me down, but God's mercy held me so I wouldn't let go. I don't know where you are today in your personal pandemic, but that better be your, your anthem. If you can't remember the song, just remember he w I, I almost gave up. I believe the song. I'm probably going to get a call from Steve later on today. Like, dude, you need to actually be able to recite the song name right. But I believe it's I almost gave up. You can go on YouTube and, and listen to that song and listen to it over again. Cause that, and I was then going back, at continuing on. And by 1992, I received a call, two calls. Now, this is somebody that was down. Somebody that was ready to give up. Somebody was ready to commit suicide. The reverse came in, within two years. I received a call from a law school saying, we want you to become a professor here. I was ready to sign on to be a professor of law. That's one of the highest, most prestigious jobs a lawyer can get. And they were asking me to come on to be a professor. At that same time, I got a call from a person who was in the new governor's office. And she was part of what was called the transition committee. The, the new governor was appointed and he had a committee. And that committee was designed to put people, his appointees together. And she called me up. She was a very, one of my aunt's best friend. And she knew my career and what I was doing. And she said, I'm, I told the governor that he needs to bring you into his cabinet. Now, this is a guy who just two years ago was down, almost done. And now I have both a law school and the governor of the state of Minnesota both wanting me to come and work for them. Don't give up now. This during this pandemic, this is not the time to give up. This is the time instead of give up. This is the time to give glory. Give glory to God because you know you're going to come out of it. You're going to come out of it better. You're going to come out it stronger. You're going to come out with a testimony. And your testimony is going to help somebody else when they're going through that same pandemic, when they're going through the problems that you're going through. Just tell them, don't give up. God is with you. You're in the valley. Sit down and listen to the presence of God coming to bless you. I almost gave up, but God's mercy came and helped me. So I wouldn't let go. I was talking to the bishop and bishop said when I told him I was going to speak about pandemic, 
he said, you know, I'm in it. I'm in my own personal pandemic. Let's talk about his last year. He came to Arizona to bury his mother. And at that time, his wife couldn't make the trip because her kidneys were failing and she needed a kidney and she was way deep on the list. And they said, if you give John, if you give your kidney to donate a kidney, it will help your wife get to up higher on the list. I don't know how it works, but that's and I might be saying the facts a little bit off. But John donated a kidney while he was down. His mother was dying. His wife was dying. He what did he do? He gave glory to God and life to somebody else. Then he went back to to D.C. where he lives now. And he knew that his, that his wife was going to get the kidney. But then her her health started failing. She winds up getting into the hospital. And now we're, we've been praying and praying and praying for her health, praying for her recovery, praying for her testimony, praying that that somebody who she touches while she's in the hospital will see the glory of God. When you're down in in the valley, there's people that are down there with you, helping you. But there's also people down there watching you. And they and when they're down there, you need to be able to be to talk to them, be able to help them and be able to guide them through the pandemic with you. I'm going to go, you know, since we are in church, I'm going to go to a Bible verse that I told the bishop that hit me when I was looking at this pandemic. And it's Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter four and I'm gonna get a little water try to push through this second Corinthians chapter four and I think that it's fitting for what we're going through here today second Corinthians chapter four verse seven and nine says but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. We have within us treasures in a jar of clay. We are the jar, and inside of us is the clay. And Paul said we are pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. That's how I believe that many people who are in this pandemic struggling for what's happened to their children, struggling what's happening to their families, struggling what's happening to their business, just struggling through their personal pandemic. We need to understand that we, even though we're hard pressed on every side, that's how I felt in 1990, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed. I didn't know why it is that the conservatives could call me, uh, uh, radical and the liberals calling me too conservative. I was perplexed, but I was, but I wasn't in despair after the Lord had touched me. I want to make sure that if you're perplexed, if you're confused, if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know why things are happening to you, don't get in despair. God's word said you can be perplexed, but not in despair. You can be persecuted. Oh man, I had that feeling persecuted. I think people who are calling their usual clients, saying there's salespeople, hey, are you looking for something? 
oh, we can't use your services anymore. You're being persecuted. Your profession is being persecuted. Your finances are being persecuted. But remember what God's holy word said. You're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We, it, that's just the, the external, the jar that's being attacked. But nothing can happen to the clay that's inside of us. Our soul, nothing can happen to that. Our spirit, nothing can happen to that. Our mind, nothing can happen to that. As long as we give all that to God and let God mold it into his his way, into his will so that we can all as children of God can grow through this pandemic, grow through your own personal pandemic, uh, understanding that he is going to use us to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I found out that when that was my focus to bring the kingdom come. His will be done on earth that it was that it is in heaven, that my life had started getting some peace. My life started getting peace in the middle of your personal pandemic. I don't know about you, but when I was in my personal pandemic, the one thing I was searching for was peace. And I found peace when I decided that that his kingdom come. His will be done, that whatever he had the path for me to do, that as long as I followed his path, peace would be with me. And I think right now there's people who need peace. There's families who need peace. Our nation fighting internally needs peace. There is destruction going on and hatred in our society, and we need peace. And God's word is true for those that are going through the pandemic. The bishop and I went back and forth to see which one was our favorite Bible passage for the circumstances that we're going through that personal pandemic. And the bishop said, for him, it is, I will not leave you or forsake you even to the end of time. That's what, that is the, is the hope that he's clinging to while his wife is in the hospital. That's the hope he's clinging through to when he's going through grief of losing his mother. That's the hope that he's clinging to, that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you even to the end of time. For me, I said, Bishop, mine is what can separate you from the love of God. And then Paul goes through a, a, a list of things that can't separate you from the love of God. He said principalities, municipalities, demons, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so you and I told Bishop, it's not if you feel separated from the love of God, it's not that he let go of you. It's that you let go of him. That's how I felt in 1990. I felt that I was letting go of God. But as the song said. The devil had me bound. Depression had me down. But God's mercy would touch me and wouldn't let go. I want you to hold out your hand right now if you're in your own personal pandemic and ask the Lord's to touch you, to touch you today, to bring you peace, to touch you today, to give you wisdom on what to do and how to deal with it. And then I started, keep, kept going on of what we need to do. And when I, on this was, I think, on Thursday, when I was talking to the bishop and he said, pandemic is the feeling 
action is the remedy. Say that again so you get this, and I'm getting ready to, to end in a little bit. He said, pandemic is a feeling. Action is the remedy. And, I, and if, if you have a time where you want to pause this and write something down, as you're going through your personal pandemic, write that down. Pandemic is the feeling. You need to make sure that you're in touch with your feeling. You need to make sure that you're honest with your feelings. You need to talk to people who you trust about your feelings because the pandemic is the feeling, but action is the remedy. And, and he said what he's doing is giving as much as he can to build the kingdom of God. And then I said, oh, that reminds me of a book that I wrote. And I wrote a book in, in 2012 for when, when I was looking at people who were going through the, the pandemic of the financial crisis of that time. And in that book titled Journey with Trust, there's a chapter that says, give, don't give up. And in there, I talked about Job in Job chapter one, verse 21. He says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And I'm going to quote from this, the, the book. And then I think I'm going to sit down. I had a whole lot more to say, but I hope that the message of your personal pandemic comes through with what, what I got out of Job one, chapter one, verse 21. Job lost nearly everything of value to him. In the midst of his loss, he, recall, he recalled that everything on earth is God's. As such, God can do what he pleases with it, which includes the giving of people, property, prosperity, pleasures, and in the same way, when he so desires, he can take them back. Job knew that dwelling on his loss was pointless. Instead, his life should be completely devoted to praising and worshiping God. By praising God, Job accepted God's complete sovereign authority over everyone and everything on earth. Job also focused on the fact that the loss he was experiencing, I want everybody to hear this point, Job understood that the loss he was experiencing only happened because of the wonderful blessings he previously received from God. As I thought about Job's proposition, I found that it was an interesting way to look at loss. If God never blessed us in the past, we would never have loss in the presence. And I wish that the young Stephen Zachary knew that when I was down in the valley, didn't think I was going to get up. And I'm hoping that today, as you heard my testimony and, and also how the God's glory came to me, how his mercy held me, how his peace overcame me. And how now, when you're in your personal pandemic, you can focus in on, on God and focus in on the proposition that if God never blessed us, we would never have loss. And so what I, what, what I decided to do is I decided to have Thanksgiving. So yesterday we had Thanksgiving at our house, Thanksgiving dinner, turkey. We laid it all out because we need to understand this pandemic is an opportunity for us to either go away and be in depression, let the devil bind us, depression getting us, 
or it's a time for us to give thanks to God. And I looked around. I, I invited my best friend, his wife, Laura. I'm going to talk about you, Laura, in the, in the message. She said, I got the message late on a Saturday, but I was working on the message and I was going through all the things that happened to me. And my, my oldest friend, we've been best friends since 1979. He lives in Arizona. I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm going to give thanks, I got to have my friend here. So I text them Saturday night and I said, you got to be here for the Thanksgiving celebration. Because even though you're going, we're all going through a pandemic, we need to all be here together. Our friends and our family thanking God just having joy, having fun together. And I didn't know that he w- he works in the airline industry. And I didn't know he even got furloughed. We need to, action is the remedy. And I should have been talking to him to find out how he was doing. But then that's what we should need to do. Pandemic is the feeling. When you're talking about somebody, understand that the pandemic is a feeling. You don't know what the person who you're talking to and what they're going through. I guarantee you that if you talk to people who knew me back in 1990, they would have never thought that this guy was suicidal. But you don't know what somebody's going through when you're talking to them. So make sure that under the glory of God, the eighth church, that you're reaching out, lifting up everybody day to day to bring his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, glorifying God and thanking him for the great blessings that we have in his name. Thank you and try to tune into the podcast where I'm talking to my mother and my sister about their personal pandemics. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to all our guests. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Stephen Zachary Minister Gilbert, the Arizona Message Ministry on Facebook. And feel free to send me an email to the message2.us or to my private website, stephenzachary.com. Thank you to Haribo Books for supporting us. That's HaribaBooks.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks.